0: Well, as the choir comes down, let's get our Bibles out. Uh, just so grateful for our time of worship and song this morning. And so perfectly will set us up for what we have before us. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 11. That's on page 1124 in the pew Bible in front of you. So we're in this series about the nine characteristics of the character of Christ called the fruit of the Spirit. And so this morning, part eight, lessons from a kite. We're going to learn a little bit from a kite this morning as we look in Matthew chapter 11. So you just find your way to the first book of the New Testament. We're going to look at a very, very famous passage of Scripture, probably won't be new to most of you in this room. Uh, We'll Allow the Lord to use it to open our eyes and broaden our horizons as we look at uh, the wonder and the glory of God's spirit within us. Okay, are we ready to pray? Let's pray and ask the Lord's help this morning. Father, thank you for your word and God, we receive it now as the perfect and gift that you have given to us, Lord. Every word is inspired and breathed out by you and Father, we thank you that what you have to say this morning will be so powerful in our lives. God, we so desperately need to hear what you have to say to us today. So we ask that you'll give us ears to hear and hearts to receive that we might give you glory in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we see Galatians chapter 5 will come up on the screen. Uh, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness last week. And now this week, gentleness. We'll look at the spirit, the spiritual fruit of gentleness this morning. And again, this has been such a wonderful series. It's been so good to be able to take some time and go through each of these one by one. And it's just been so encouraging to my heart to know how uh, encouraging it's been to your heart. And so in so many ways, as we look back over the last several weeks uh, just seeing how God has moved in specific ways in our fellowship and really taught us about these individual characteristics of the nature of Christ. And I want to remind you, as I've been doing every so often, about what we're talking about when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, that these nine characteristics are all characteristics of The Spirit of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they come to bear in our lives when we become a Christian. And they come to bear in our lives in a certain way. For example, when a person gets saved, they begin to grow. Saved people grow. It's very important for you to understand that. If you're not growing, then you're not in Christ. In Christ we grow. Sometimes we grow very small increments and sometimes we grow faster than other times, but we are growing. It's a process that's called sanctification. Also, just like fruit, spiritual growth is slow. It's slow and it's, it's over time and it's hard to detect. You don't just it's like watching your children grow. You can't see it day by day, but you can see it, you know, sometimes month by month or year by year. You can see how much they've grown. Well, that's how spiritual growth is. And then also we grow in the Lord. We grow spiritually from the inside out, just like a fruit, just like a fruit will start from a seed and from that seed will grow Out into the fruit. Well, that's the same way we grow. We don't grow from the outside in. We're not talking about behavior modification. If we've learned anything over the last few weeks, we've learned that you already know this morning that what I'm not going to talk to you about is how for you to go out there and just work on being a more gentle person. Because you can't do that. Gentleness comes from the inside out. I want you to understand gentleness. I want you to see how what God has to say about gentleness. And I want gentleness to come out of your life. But I guarantee you that if it's going to be the spiritual fruit of gentleness, it's going to come from the inside out. Because, again, growth is holistic. That we grow in all of these areas. All of these nine characteristics are growing at the same time. Now, this is the part I, I get questions about every couple of weeks. Some of you are just confused about this. That all of them are growing together. Well, think about it this way. When, when a child is growing, all the parts of the child are not growing at the same rate. They're growing, but praise the Lord, their ears don't grow as fast as their feet. Or that'd be a problem. You see? So, you know, you don't, you don't walk in one day and goes. Whoo, those ears, I mean, they are really, you know, you see, I mean, your liver doesn't grow at the same pace as your hair, or it'd it'd be a problem. Well, the fruit of the Spirit is the same way. You're growing in all of these areas simultaneously, but at different levels. So sometimes... You can see certain things in somebody's life and then other things may be a little bit harder to detect, but it's not because they're non-existent. You either have all of them or none of them. It's not a, you can't pick and choose. It's not like going through the produce department and just picking which ones you want. If the Spirit is in you, the Spirit comes complete with a full set of all these fruit. Amen? Okay, I just don't want you to be confused about that at all. I want you to be sure that you understand exactly what we're talking about. Well, yesterday I had quite an interesting day. I got up and came to the men's prayer breakfast and man, we had a great time together in just, I think it was one of the best men's breakfasts we've had. It was just wonderful. And so I had to scoot out a little bit early. I know many of you had already taken off to go up to Hattiesburg to be at uh Dave and Gail's wedding and so I went to the breakfast as long as I could, and then Lisa met me up here and I jumped in the car with her and we headed up there and it was just a beautiful day. We're just zooming up Highway 49 and you know, just talking, talking, chatting, chatting, chatting. Well, we just about get to the place we're supposed to go to, and I go right past it. And I'm like, Man, I gotta turn I gotta turn around. And then the car goes. Poo, poo, poo. I look down at the gas gauge, dead Elvis. I mean, E as far as it can go. Not a drop of gas in the tank. So here I am on the side of Highway 49. Now, I got a wedding to get to. And it's right back there. So I'm thinking, what am I going to do now? Well, I look across the street and I see this uh, mechanic shop and the door open. So I thought, well amen lisa she's already praying lord help us lord help us so i get out of the car run across the street to this mechanic shop so i go in there and there's this fella in there older gentleman working by himself i went in and i said excuse me sir i mean he about had a heart attack and i i said i ran out of gas and you you wouldn't happen to have any gas around here i'm, I'm trying to get to a wedding and he said nope i don't have any gas No gas, can't keep gas. Insurance company won't let me have gas. No gas here, you won't find gas. (laughs) I'm thinking, we're not off to a good start here, brother. So I'm standing there and I'm just kind of looking around. He goes, what you looking for? You're not going to find it. There's no gas here. And I said, well, sir, I'm just trying to look for something. I mean, you know, he can see my car. I said, you know, I'm out of gas. I'm trying to get to a wedding, you know, I, I, what am I going to do there's there's no gas station for miles. And he said, well, I can't help you. So I just stood there because I'm thinking, I know you can help me because there's cars everywhere and all I need is a piece of hose about this long and we're going to get some gas out of something. So I'm just standing there. So finally he realizes I'm not leaving. So he goes out to this truck and he starts rummaging around the back bed of this truck and he pulls this little gas can out and he says, well, I got this weed eater gas. I said, that'll work. Might smoke a little bit, but we'll be good. Give me that. So he hands me that gas. He says, now go on. You know, he's just kind of shooing me off. And so I took the gas and I said, well, sir, listen, I will bring you. I'll, I'll, I'll bring your gas can back to you. I'm so grateful." And he goes, listen, all I want you to do is stop bothering me. Look at all this work that's got to be done around here. And man, he starts blessing me out. You hear me? I mean, son, he's chewing me up one side and down the other. Well, about that time I turn around and here's Alan and Billy Summerall. They pulled up in the parking lot. You know, I saw Billy and I said, look, Lord sent me an angel. Then I saw Alan and said, nope, that ain't angels. <laughs> and I uh, so I said, well, look at here. So anyway, he's just chewing on me. I mean, just, you know, so I get my wallet out thinking I'm going to give him one of my cards so that he knows that he can trust me. I'm like, you know, hey, I'm a pastor. I'll bring this. So I get my wallet out and he freaks out. Do I look like I need your money? Man, Man, I put my wallet back. I took the thing. I said, okay, I'm gone. So I told Alan, I got gas. I'll see you there. I'm good. I run across the street. I put the gas in the car. Man, I crank the car up, start up, make a U-turn. I go about a 100 yards. I get up a hill and out of gas again. There we are on the side of the road. So I got my phone out. I had to repent what I said about Alan. I called Alan I said... Son, you think you come over here and pick me up? I mean, I can see the wedding across the street, but how are we going to get there? So he comes over there and picks me up, and we go to the wedding. It was a beautiful wedding. You know, but here's the thing. The whole time I'm thinking, I mean, all week I've been meditating on gentleness. And I'm thinking, this brother needs some gentleness right here. (laughs) But I got a wedding to go to. So I go on to my wedding, and man, he he chewed me out, but... It was good. It was a beautiful wedding. I made my way and we got home alive. Now let me tell you a little bit about gentleness. The word gentleness, it's a Greek word, praus. That word means power under control. It's a word that doesn't just like the rest of these uh, fruit of the spirit. They're they're not what we would sort of put in our minds with our English vernacular. It's not gentleness. It's not some kind of namby-pamby, you know, weak and soft characteristic. It's not that at all. It's strength under control or power under control or submission. The word was used in the Greek language to describe a stallion that was wild and after you broke the stallion and the stallion was tame and useful to the master that's the word that is used to describe that that broken horse that tamed horse that its power or strength under control it's a in 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 our sense it's a human attitude that we have where we submit to God's dealings with the people around us that we're not when when we're not being gentle is when we're trying to execute justice on our behalf. So, for example, earlier in, in Galatians chapter five, there's the, the works of the flesh are listed. And oftentimes the things that are in that list are the antonym or the opposite of the fruit of the spirit. Well, the opposite of gentleness is outbursts of wrath. And so, when, when we try to execute revenge for injustice perpetrated against us, we're not being gentle. Now, I don't want you to, I want to make sure that you understand that gentleness is not in any way weakness. A person who's gentle is not spineless, doesn't let people run over them. In fact, a person who's gentle actually has true character and true backbone. And here's the reason why. Because when you study Scripture, what you find is that this characteristic of God and this characteristic that comes to bear in our life, it takes more strength to be gentle than it does to fight for your rights, for example. It takes more character and more strength to to submit to God and hold back when you don't have to. You see. Gentleness teaches us that just because we have the capacity to do something doesn't mean we ought to do it. You know, uh, I used to tell Colton when he was little, you know, when he was, uh, you know, eight or nine years old, I said, son, just because we have matches doesn't mean you need to light something on fire. Matches are good and they're helpful. And when you need them, you want to use them. But just because you have them doesn't mean you want to use them. Just because you can execute justice just because you can defend yourself or just because you can retaliate or just because you can sort of make, you know, justice uh, come your way doesn't mean you should. That's what gentleness is. It's harnessing that power. Now, we see that in the life of Christ. Like, for example, notice the way Jesus responds to the wickedness and the horrific uh, injustice that's perpetrated against him on the cross. There he is hanging on the cross. All of these atrocities have been committed against him. He's got the power in his pinky finger to absolutely, uh, call down, you know, a legion of angels and just take everybody in creation out in one foul swoop if he wants to. And what does he do? He says, father, forgive them for they know not what they do. See, that's gentleness, He can do, but He doesn't because it's power harnessed, under control. And so Jesus, there He is with the greatest power in the universe, and yet He's under control. He doesn't retaliate. He doesn't bring about that which He wants to happen. Now, let's look at Matthew 11, beginning in verse 25. And let's let This passage instruct us about the gentleness of God and how we we should respond to what the Lord has to say. Matthew 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And the Son to whom, and to the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Himself. Verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, what I want us to do is just look at that passage, especially beginning in verse 28. Jesus prays that prayer before we get to 28 in the first part of that passage. And he's just praying just to illustrate his submissiveness to God. And he's saying that that no one knows the father, but the son and no one can know the son unless the father chooses to reveal that to them, that he is in submission to God, the father, and that he's having this, this, this fellowship with God, the father. And then he he looks around Him at the people around Him and He says, Come unto Me all you who labor and are heavy laden. Now, look at verse 28, how He begins. He says, Come to Me. Now, Jesus is being very strategic here. He's making sure the emphasis is on Me. I mean, literally, it's as if He's saying, Me, you come to. The 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 key word here is Me. He's saying there's no other place for you to look. There's no other person for you to look to. I am the one. He doesn't say come to this realization that you need to change your ways. He doesn't say come to this new system of beliefs. He doesn't say come to this religious structure institution. He doesn't say come to church. He doesn't say any of that. He says, come to me, to me. He's very specific. Come to me, who all you who labor and are heavy laden. The word labor, it means to work to the point of exhaustion. It means to be weary and worn out. To just be so tired from just working. oh, Just being stuck in that that perpetual cycle of laboring and laboring and laboring. And, And no matter how hard you work, no matter what you get accomplished, it's never done. The work is never done. And you never seem to make the progress that you need to make. And so you're just weary and worn out. And then those who are heavy laden. To be heavy laden, it means to be beat down, to be overwhelmed, to just be utterly and completely just overdone with everything that's going on around you, to feel like what, what, I don't know what else to do. I've labored, I've tried as hard as I can try, no matter what I try to do, it doesn't seem to ever be enough, and so therefore I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed, I'm just beat down. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. Now, he doesn't say I might give you rest. He doesn't say I could give you rest. He doesn't say uh, uh, that if you do certain things, you'll get rest. He says, if you come to me, all you who are laboring and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And how is that rest going to come? Look at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, when Jesus talks about a yoke, we have to just stop a minute and realize, well, we just don't use that language today. We don't talk about yokes unless you live on a farm or have lived on a farm, work around uh, farm animals. You wouldn't you wouldn't be familiar with what a yoke is. A yoke connects connects us to a burden. A yoke is what connects two animals together to pull the plow, for example, and so. Uh, When he says you must yoke yourself to me, what he's saying essentially is you must be my disciple. That in first century uh, biblical times, when a person came under the teaching of a rabbi, when somebody became the disciple of a teacher, they would. Yoke themselves to them. In other words, their whole life would revolve around that teacher. They would spend all of their time with that teacher. They would be serving that teacher and and living by that teacher. That teacher would basically dominate their life. Learning what that teacher had to teach them would be the overarching, just consuming uh, passion of their life. That's what he means by, take my yoke upon you. Be Yoke to me. Be my disciple. Connect yourself to me. So the invitation that he's giving to those who are tired and weary is to become his disciple. But in order to become his disciple, we understand that what that means is to give up our own ways and our own wants for his ways and his wants, to do things his way. And the promise is if we do that, he'll give us rest. Well, what does he mean by rest? Well, Mostly what He means by rest is salvation. That salvation brings rest because salvation brings security. That you see, when you're tired and overwhelmed, it's because you're trying so hard to, to... achieve what you need to achieve so that you'll be successful, so that people will appreciate you, so that people will look at you and see value at you, or you're trying to to build relationships that never seem to work out and you're always being disappointed, or whatever the case may be, you're trying to reconcile yourself to people that you've been estranged from, or whatever the case may be, whatever you've been trying to do that has worn you out and overwhelmed you, you've been doing that your way. And He's saying, now if you come to Me, you'll receive rest, Salvation, because when you receive salvation, what happens? You know that everything is going to be okay. That no matter what happens in this life, no matter how difficult it is, no matter what obstacles you face, ultimately it's going to be okay because God is your Savior. That eternally you are secure. That you are okay. But it's more than that. Because Jesus, He's not saying, and this is, I think, how so many people read this passage of Scripture. They think that what Jesus is saying is that you need to give up your freedom and then yoke yourself to Me. And that's not what He's saying. He was very specific to say, come to Me all you who labor and are heavy laden. And the reason He was specific to say that is because He wants us to know that you're not free. That's why you labor and you're heavy laden. That you're not giving up your freedom to follow Him. You're not free. You're trading whatever yoke you're under right now for His yoke. You're just trading one yoke for another. That you're yoked to something. That something is dominating your life. Something is making you tired, worn out, and overwhelmed. And that is not... Freedom. You know, I was reading this week about how the Greeks used this word for gentle. And I was amazed at all of the creative ways in which they uh, used the word that helped me understand what the word means. And one of the ways that they would describe the word gentle is, it's like a, a nice, cool breeze that when the wind would just blow nice and easy across the landscape, it would be a, a gentle breeze. Now, the reason they would say that is because they knew that the same wind that was blowing nice and easy had the capacity, for example, in a storm, to be ferocious and to flatten everything in its way. That it was the same wind. That the same wind that in one instance could be this unbelievable force of destruction, in another instance would be this calming, wonderful, comforting breeze. And so it got me thinking about that and I started started thinking about kites. And I started thinking about this issue of being yoked. And I thought, now, how can I help you understand what Jesus is saying? You see, in a lot of ways, we're like kites. That God created all of us to soar. Now the way I know that is because when He created mankind, He put us in the perfect environment to soar. That in the garden, Adam and Eve had perfect fellowship with Him. And they were soaring the way that God intended for them to be. When you see a kite up in the, up in the sky and it's just up there, just bouncing around in the wind, that's what that kite was made to do. And that's what we do when we're yoked to God. But what happens if you cut the string to that kite? It crashes. You see, it's deceiving because the kite is up there flying in the sky and the kite looks like it's trying to get free. And it seems like it's flying. And it would seem that if you cut the string, it would just fly and fly and fly and be as free as it wanted to be. But that's not the case. If you cut the string... The kite crashes. And so what happened when sin entered into the world, essentially it cut the string that yoked us or connected us to God. And it separated us from God. And so now we can't soar. We're kites without a string. And the only way that we can soar, again, the way God created us to be, to live the life He created us to live, is to reconnect to Him and to be back up in that wind. And that's what I want you to understand. That we're to be connected, yoked to Jesus because that's the way we were intended to be. That that is the 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 purpose and the design of God in creating humanity. And the reason that we're struggling and the reason that we're overwhelmed and the reason that we're tired and beat down is because we're trying to do things a different way. We're trying to soar free on our own. If you think about it, when when sin entered the garden, the temptation was, you know what? If you cut that string, you can fly free and you can be like God. Yeah. So let's cut the string and the string was cut. And guess what happened? Crashing to the ground that that kite only flies if it's connected to the string. So in verse 28, when he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, how do we attach the string? How do we reconnect to God? How do we take his yoke upon us? Well, he tells us back in his prayer in verse 25, when he says... At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to babes. That Jesus is is reminding us what Matthew 18.3 says, that unless you're converted and become like a little child, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. That the yoke, the invitation to take his yoke upon you is not, an invitation to those who think that they're wise. Who think that they're smart. Who think that they have got this under control. In other words, if if you're not weary and heavy, heavy laden, then the the invitation is not to you. You see, if you think you're flying around just fine and and you don't really need this string, well then, the invitation is not for you. It's only for those who come as a little child. Now let me show you that. What, what do we know about little children see that word is not is it means specifically almost infant small child toddler so let me show you two things about children that apply to this first of all little children know that they're helpless you see this is part of being weary and 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 heavy laden is that you you have to be like a child you have to understand that you're helpless that you can't fly apart from that String that you have no power and capacity of your own to just take flight and to soar into the sky. You can't do that. Children know this. You know, when you're with little children and you're walking, you know, you're holding their hand and you're walking somewhere, you don't go very far before they just start. They go, Dad, I'm tired. Hold me. I can't do this. And then if you, you know, you they they stand at the bottom of a flight of stairs and they're just like, uh... Help me. They need you to pick them up and to carry them in the whole. They, they know. I mean, if anything, if there's a loud noise that happens. What do they do? They freak out and they run and they jump in your lap and they bury their head in your chest. Or if there's anything scary happens or if anything out of the ordinary that they don't understand. They don't they don't just stand there and go bring it on. What you got? I mean, they take off because they know They're helpless. They, they know they have no capacity to resolve problems on their own. So when we come to, to Christ, we have to come like little children. We have to understand that we cannot solve our own problems. We're not wise. We, we don't, we don't have ideas that are gonna, gonna, gonna fix everything. If you think you're a pretty good person, and you're doing a pretty good job. And that you might just, you know, come to Jesus and take his yoke upon you. That'll just make you a little bit better. That's not the invitation. It's not for you. It's only for those who are weary and who are heavy laden. It's only for those who realize like children. You know what? I'm I'm helpless. And that's why he says, you're not wise. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn what? Learn how to do things. Learn how to live your life. Learn how to make decisions. Learn how to walk with me so that you don't, you don't end up weary and heavy laden. Children know they're helpless. Number two, children are confident in love. They have this great confidence in love. And as I thought about this, I thought, now, we don't teach our children this. They just know it. What I'm saying is, is that Between adults, you know, we can if we have cross words or we have some kind of tense, you know, exchange about something or we feel like somebody's, you know, upset with us for some reason or whatever the case may be, then we, you know, when we come back together, you know, we sort of tread lightly and we're, you know, trying to reconcile. One of the hardest things for for grown people to do is just reconcile with each other. I mean, it's just hard. We have such, that's why the Bible has so much to say about that. Children don't have that problem. You know what children do? Children will fuss and whine and show out. They, you know, you're you're being the grocery store and you're trying to get groceries and all they want to do is go down the, the toy aisle. You know what I mean? Like wherever, they're pointing to the aisle that has the toys on it. You know, and it's kind of demonic of the grocery stores to put those toys in there, isn't it? It's got nothing to do with groceries, but they're in there because they know. And so it's for every parent's nightmare. Try to avoid anything that's sold on the toy aisle. Never was never in my house. I don't even know what those things are. I've never eaten them because when my kids were growing up, we didn't go on that aisle because it was too traumatic no, we're not, you're not, you're not getting another set of plastic, uh, handcuffs. You know what I mean? No, you're not getting, we're not getting that. But they would just throw a fit, act crazy, be mad, and, you know, get in trouble, and then, you know, you get outside to the car, and they're like, can we get ice cream? Like they have no memory of what just happened. They just, presuppose that your love for them is so great that there's no behavior that they can do that's going to impact that love. That no matter how harsh your time is, no matter how much trouble they're in, five seconds later, well, that's just over with and everything's good. They have confidence in love. You see, in a way that we grow up and get jaded and lose. And what the Bible is saying is we need to remember that when we come weary and tired, when we come to God, all of the, the the chaos and and all of the the hurt and all of the rejection and all of the mistakes and the wounds and the regrets, all of those things that have weighed on our life, that have made us weary and and overwhelmed, and all the all the things that that have separated us from God, and He's saying, "Now come to me like a child. Come to me like." Can we go get ice cream, Dad? I know that i've been walking away from you for for decades I know that i 've been engaged in things in my my life that are not pleasing unto you. I know that that I've done so many things wrong and if I could go back and do it again and and, but you're not talking to another person saying, is there any way you can forgive me? You're talking to God like a child and you're you're coming in the midst of all of the mistakes and all the regrets and saying, but God. Thank you. Thank you that you're always there to say, come on, let's go get some ice cream. Thank you that the Bible says in the book of Revelation that God stands at the door and knocks and if you Hear Him and open the door. He'll come in and dine with you. You see? that We have to have this childlike confidence in His love that, that all of the, the junk and all of the nonsense is not too much for Jesus to overcome. And you know, for a lot of us, it's been a long time since we had that kind of confidence and love. So what Jesus is saying is, come as a child, come Knowing that you're helpless, come confident in love and, and he's gonna be good to you. Now, how, how do I, I mean, how do I know that? How can I just say that? I mean, if you're here this morning and, and, you know, you're just sort of feeling your way through this whole Christianity thing and you just, you coming and you're listening and you're trying to have an open mind but you're just not sure. Well, I understand that. And listen, if I were you, here's what I would say. I would say, pastor, that's easy for you to say, but you don't know my story. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the things that I've done. You don't, you, how do you know that God is gonna just open His arms, that I could be confident in His love? If you knew everything that I've done, if you knew the course that my life had taken, you might say things differently. And I'd say, no. No, even if everyone you've ever Trusted, betrayed you, even if all of the most significant relationships in your life turned out to be bad, even if day in and day out, the experience of life for you is one of loneliness and betrayal and hurt. I'm saying to you this morning you can come to jesus confident and love and he will not betray you he will not hurt you he will not take advantage of you he will he will be the perfect loving father that you've always wanted that you never you, you never imagined could ever be that's what he's saying when he says come like a child you can trust him. And the reason I know that is because of what he says next. He says, take my yoke upon you for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. Now, when he says for I'm gentle, he's saying because that you can take my yoke upon you because I'm gentle. If I wasn't gentle, you couldn't do that. That what makes My yoke available to you is my gentleness. If I wasn't gentle, if I wasn't lowly in heart, you could not take my yoke upon you. You could never reconnect the strength. You would never know what it's like to soar the way you were intended to soar. That that invitation is off the table. The only reason that it's even we're even having this conversation is because I'm gentle. Now what does that mean? Because the strength and the power of Jesus is harnessed. It's in submission to the Father. And that's the reason that His yoke is available to us. You see, gentleness, it's impossible for gentleness to be weakness. That's impossible. And here's why. Because if it was weakness, it could not bring us rest. The most extraordinary statement that anybody's ever made in the history of the world is that no matter how broken and weary and tired and beaten and overwhelmed you are, if you come to me, I'll give you rest. I'll give you eternal rest. I will give you rest from all of that. Now, how is he going to do that? I mean, who could make such a claim? Only one who was strong enough and powerful enough to pull that off. And so if he says, I can do that because I'm gentle, then you know that gentleness is not in any way, shape or form weakness. You see, if he wasn't gentle, you know what his yoke would do? It would crush you. It would crush you. Just read the Old Testament. And look at the yoke of the law and the crushing burden of continually living under the law and all of its demands and never knowing where you were in the system. And even in that, the only reason why anyone even ever survived was because God had this elaborate system of, of sacrifice so that people could survive that yoke, I mean, if it wasn't for sacrifice, no one would have lasted two seconds. And so his gentleness allows us to be able to take his yoke upon us or it would just crush us. I mean, think about it. A horse that is unbroken is useless. It's useless. You, you can take the most powerful medicine in the world, the most, the, the most healing, curing medicine in the world. But if it's not under control, if you take too much, it'll kill you. If you take too little, it won't do what it's supposed to do. Just like a wind. A wind that is out of control will just crush everything in its path. Well, that's what would happen to the holiness of God if it weren't for the gentleness of Jesus. It would just crush us. You see, uh, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus says that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they bind up the people with heavy burdens that are hard to bear. They lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. That they would put all of these regulations and these restrictions on people that they couldn't achieve and they couldn't attain. And they, and they wouldn't even move a finger to, to pull some of them back, to give anybody a break. And Jesus comes and says, it's because I'm... I'm gentle. It's because what I've done in my gentleness that will allow you to take my yoke upon you. You see, Jesus restrained His power. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. He went to the cross. Listen, when He was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and He was sweating drops of blood, he wasn't. it wasn't because He was excited about what laid before Him. He knew the magnitude of the suffering and the agony that was before him. And what did he do? He's there in in literal agony. And he, he begs the father. He says, if there's any way, take this cup from me. But if there's no way, what? Your will, father, not mine. Power under submission. Your will. Not mine. He had the power to walk away in that moment. He had the power to... He could have said, God, I'm, I don't need you to take the cup from me. I'm throwing the cup away. But see, he's gentle. He couldn't do that. He's under submission to the Father. And he says, Father, if there's any way, take this cup from me. Titus chapter 2, the Bible says our great God and Savior Jesus Christ gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. You see, He knew what He was doing. He knew that this was the Father's plan. He knew that that's what God had called Him to do. But it didn't make it easy. It didn't, it didn't make it enjoyable. And so when He comes and says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me, for I'm gentle. Because I'm gentle and lowly in heart, you'll find rest for your souls. See, that's what we need is rest for our souls. So yesterday, after the wedding was over, I still had a car out of gas on Highway 49. So I called Rod's parents, who happened to live like two minutes from where we were and they brought me a can of gas and took me over there and I filled the car up with gas and drove it back over to where everybody was and Lisa was sitting in there, everybody was eating and I went in there, but my heart was still heavy. Because I couldn't stop thinking about that man across the street. And so I said, let's go. And uh, she said, "Okay." I knew I still had his gas can in my trunk. So we got in the car and we drove up to the nearest gas station and I filled his can up with gas and I filled my car up with gas. And then. I bought some two cycle oil for him. Because I knew that if I mixed it without his permission, he'd probably (laughs) cuss me out. And then I went back to his shop. And I pulled up in the driveway and I got out and I had the can of gas in one hand and I had the two-cycle oil in another hand and I, sort of like a peace offering. And I walked into his shop and I said, Sir, I brought you back your gas and I brought you some two-cycle oil and I just want to thank you for helping me. I made it to the wedding. And he put his wrench down And he turned around and he walked over to me and he said, I need to apologize to you. And I said, well, no, you help me. I mean, it was he said, no. I owe you an apology. That I shouldn't have behaved the way I did. I shouldn't have treated you the way I did, but. I'm just under a lot of pressure. I mean, you know, I got all this. Work I got to do and I'm up here on Saturday and, you know, I'm on my own time and I'm trying to get all this. It's weary. Heavy laden. And I said, well, what's your name? And he said, Vernon. I said, Mr. Vernon. How'd you learn to work on all these cars? See, I noticed that all the cars that were in his lot were fancy cars said, how would you learn to work on all these fancy cars? He said, well, over the course of my life, every time it seems like I needed to learn something or I needed to figure out how to do something, he said, the person that I needed to teach me would just come into my life. And they just show me what it was I needed to learn. And so decade after decade after decade, I just learned how to do all these things. And I said, wow, that's a fascinating story. I said, can I ask you a question? Do you think it's possible that maybe I came into your life today? Because you needed to learn something? And he leaned over and he said, What do you do? <laughs> I said, I'm a pastor. And he just shook his head. And suddenly all those cars disappeared. And it was like it was just me and him. And he said, you know, I've got a grandson and he's really struggling. It's weighing heavy on my heart. And I said, Mr. Vernon, I know somebody who can take that burden. Off your heart. He said, yeah. I bet you do. I said, I do. I said, I think God put me right here in front of you because. You're weary. And heavy laden. And so I started sharing with him about Matthew chapter 11. And he said, you know what? I grew up in church. He said, I'm 70 years old and I still go to Bible study every week. I said, yes, sir. I'm glad. I said, but if I, if I come back up here, you know, I, I live down on the coast, but if I come back up here, A couple months from now, and I drive by this shop, and there's a black wreath hanging on the door. Where will you be? He said, I'll I'll be in heaven with Jesus. And I said, are you sure about that? He said, yes, I'm sure about that. He said, God didn't send you here because I needed to get saved today. He sent you here because I needed to be reminded that I am saved. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, I've let all these burdens weigh me down and make me act in a way I shouldn't act. And he said, you reminded me that I I can't control all these things that go on around me. I can't fix my grandson's problems. I can't fix all these cars. There will just be more to be fixed. But what I can fix is my, my attitude. What I can fix is my witness. What I can fix is my example. And he said, you know, sometimes life has a way of just getting you to forget that you ever were saved or you ever even knew Jesus. I said, yeah, it does. It does. I said, well, Vernon, I'm so glad that God made me run out of gas right across from your store today. And I said, you think me and you could be friends? He said, yeah, I think we already are. I said, okay. I said, I'm going to come up here and Visit you in a few months when that hot ride you were telling me about's done. You can take me for a ride. He said, "Okay, I'll do that." We talked for about an hour. Pray for my wife. She sat in the car. <laughs> Time I got done talking to him, I went to the car. I got in and sat down. Lisa looked at me. She goes, "He better have got saved." <laughs> I said, you married me, honey. This is how this rolls. <laughs> See, in verse 30, Jesus says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How can a yoke be easy? How can a burden be light? That doesn't make sense. How is that possible? Well, remember, you... You're not free right now. You're doing things your way. And so, when you do things your way, you find out that it doesn't work so good. The way you become weary and overwhelmed is by going in your own yoke. By yoking yourself to your career. Yoking yourself to your Marriage or yoking yourself to other people's opinions or yoking yourself to material things or yoking yourself to whatever it is. Whatever other thing it is, you can pick anything in the world to yoke yourself to. And all it's ever going to do is lead you to weariness and overwhelmed. That's all it's ever going to do. And what Jesus is saying is, is that when you do it my way, it's going to be easy. And my burden is going to be light. It's not going to be simple. It's not going to be problem free. But compared to what you're doing right now, it's going to be easy and light. Let me ask you a question. How would your life be differently right now? If when you were 13 years old, Let's say you were 13 years old, and at 13 years old, you put His yoke upon you. That you yoked yourself to Jesus, and as a 13-year-old student, you committed your life to Christ, and you walked with Him. You did things His way, that whatever the Bible said, no matter how crazy it seems, that's what you did. If you did that when you were 13 years old, and you have walked, yoked to Jesus all your life till today, how would your life be different? You wouldn't be weary. You wouldn't be overwhelmed. Yeah, you would have faced some some struggles along the way, but they'd have been light and easy, wouldn't they? Life would have been so utterly different. The problem is, is that... We all think that it's better to cut the string and fly free. And it's then we find out that it's going to lead to the crash. But you know what the best news of this whole passage is? You know what the best thing is about the gentleness of Jesus? Is that He makes the invitation to people who have already cut the string and already crashed. You see this morning, no matter what you've done, no matter how long you've done it, the invitation's for you. The invitation is for all the crash and burn kites in the world. For everybody who thought there was a better way. There was a better way to soar, there was a better way to be free. He comes, he he doesn't come and say, "All of you, that have done the right thing, all of you that have kept the string connected to you. All of you, you come to me. That's who the invitation's for. No? He says, No, that's who the invitation's not for. The invitation is for those who are weary and overwhelmed. You will find rest. That's the invitation of the gentleness of Jesus. And so I don't know if you're like Vernon this morning and you've just forgotten what it means to be saved. And you just went back out there and started trying to rig up your own way to soar again. And you just need to be reminded about all the pressure that's weighing down on you. That God's got that. that His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Or maybe for some of you, for the very first time, you realize that's why everything I try to do crashes and burns. Because I'm not yoked to Jesus. Maybe for the first time in your life, you realize that's why I don't soar. And so he says to you, come, come to me. Here I am. I'll receive you. You can be confident in my love. That I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. Because I'm gentle. I'm gentle. And I have made a way for you to be reconnected with God. That you could get a a taste in this life of the fullness of soaring that's coming in the next, the way you were created to soar, that all things are going to be made right again, that every kite is going to soar in the sky the way God created it to soar. That's the invitation for all of us this morning. Let's stand and bow our heads. Father, we're grateful that you have helped us this morning. We're thankful that you have such amazing and wonderful words to speak to us. But Father, I pray in this moment right now that we would understand that just having information is just the beginning. And that Lord, what you've called us to do here is to respond to the invitation that you've laid forth. So, Father, I pray for everyone in here, God, that we would, we would get to the bottom of who or what we're yoked to this morning. Lord, I pray that all the weary and the heavy laden, the burden filled struggles of this life that just beat us down and beat us down. That, Lord, right now our hearts would fill with joy. Not fear, joy. That we'd be confident in love. That we wouldn't be afraid that you'd reject us, but we'd be confident that you won't because you're gentle. And you say, come all, anyone, any man, any woman, any student, any child, come. And I'll give you rest. You won't have to earn it. I will give it. Lord, we're grateful today. Now we ask that you'd give us the courage to respond to the invitation. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.